17 minutes it is now before 8 p.m. We now go into our business wrap and joining us to uh, take a look at the big stories in the world of business is the Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers and that's Makwe Masilela. Makwe, who's that, bro? Ah, no, no, no. Sweet no smoke, brother. Thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us uh, this evening, Makwe. Let's maybe start off here with uh, Impala Platinum, uh, set to report uh, their first uh, profit here since uh, 2014. And the numbers uh, as good as uh, the last time they saw them in uh, 2012. Uh, it's nice there by the Platinum. Yeah, thanks all got to Palladium and Rhodium prices for the guys to be able to have turn around. And hopefully, maybe they'll start rewarding their shareholders by paying some dividends. Because as it stands now, the guys are not paying dividends. But I don't know whether if you realize that in Palace, PE is very demanding at 45 compared to the likes of Anglo-American at almost 16. And it's even higher than the sector's PE of almost 39. But we hope that it will continue to, to make good money going forward. But it's very interesting. It's coming at a time where they have to justify why can't they afford, mm. you know, to be able to pay AMCO, whatever that they're asking. But the last time I see, the last time I think they said that they're happy to give them almost 800 compared to the 1,005 that AMCO has asked for. But I think it's all because of high palladium and rhodium prices. Now one has to ask himself that, you know, you buy a company going forward, that do you think the guys will continue to make that kind of money, we still have to see what's going to happen. But also what was consoling, they managed to reduce their debt level. So mm. all in all, I think those are good numbers for now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, how sustainable, certainly from your perspective, Mark, where is this uh, continued rally of something like Palladium? I mean, it's uh, just over 1,300 US dollars now an ounce. Um, and uh, even, of course, eclipsing the, uh, its, um, I guess, mother metal, which is a platinum, because it's also part of the platinum sure. group metals. Um, you know, how sustainable is that kind of rally and uh, what is driving that? Um, and how, you know, how open is that to change? I don't think it's sustainable because, remember, it's coming from a very low base mm. and also for the fact that there was an undersupply. So now I think maybe the market is the most getting to equilibrium. But one needs to understand that they're using that as a catalyst on petrol cars. And fortunately, most automakers are moving from diesel straight into petrol. So it shows you that demand will continue. You know, But now you ask yourself, that when do people buy cars? Only when economic conditions are looking okay. And so far, numbers come from the Eurozone. GDP yesterday, we saw that from the 0.4% it had in the first quarter, it only made 0.2. Germany is one of is the biggest economy. It contracted by 0.1. And everyone is complaining that the global economic outlook is not looking okay. So that's one scenario that if really things not going to be okay, then chances are demand for cars will continue to be sluggish, as we've seen even back home here, that people are not buying cars that much. But mm. say for whatever reason, the economy turns around and then the demand keeps on going up. You know, usually people find a replacement, you know, when they're using a certain metal and it becomes too expensive. We've also seen with these batteries, you know, that now lately people are now starting to talk about other minerals because now they've seen that it's getting too expensive. So palladium, as much as it's in demand and rhodium, if it continues going up, up, up like that, definitely people will try to look at their replacement to make sure that they get something much cheaper because it's a very serious high input cost at those high prices.
Mm. Any opportunity for it, I mean, uh, to feature in some of these uh, electric vehicles? We did hear, of course, uh, another platinum company, I think it was Anglo Amplat, coming out and saying that, you know, they're, they're trying to push for new sources of demand uh, for this uh, metal, and uh, one, one of those could be these EVs. Chances are they can get it right, but now we have to be realistic. What is the demand when it comes to these electric vehicles? The electric vehicles they still have a very long way to go, and I don't think one can make a business case, you know, only based on that. Yes, you need a combination of both the electric cars and the normal cars, or to make sure that they start getting attraction. Because as we're talking now, I mean, back home here, you know, or in Africa, how many do we have? Even Europe itself, which mm. is pushing the whole thing. Or take China itself, you know, it already stopped subsidies when it comes to the manufacturers. When it all started, they were subsidizing all these guys to go forward with these electric vehicles. It's a good thing, but I'm saying it still has a very low, long way to go before it can get to where people really need it to see it. Mm-hmm. Mark, Mark, I guess the the other thing I want us to maybe touch on here, and uh, we'll continue on the other side of this break, is uh, you know the fallout that is uh, certainly set to continue after the end of the uh, PIC Commission of Inquiry, and uh, we can already see all manner of words starting to fly uh, across the board here. Iotechnology Solutions, uh, that entity, uh, which uh, I guess came up with what many people felt in the market was an unrealistic valuation, uh, but uh, of course, as you would know with any valuation it's uh, almost speculative and based on all manner of events and contingencies occurring but uh, all manner of things have happened since and uh, the PIC now wants its money 4.3 billion rand and uh, also I guess uh, all manner of uh, other things coming out here from uh, AEEI which is uh, that investment holding company led by Iqbal Survey. Uh, the question is today wanted because now we've got a commission that we ask ourselves if there was no commission were they going to maybe go after the guys to say this was not this was not right? So I think it's questionable. And I think going forward, I think obviously somebody made a wrong investment decision, but whoever made that doesn't want to take responsibility. Mark, mm. just briefly, I mean, there's the role here of another entity, this British Telecoms, uh, a BTCSA, uh, which of course I guess would have been the sweetener for the PIC, which it would have prompted them to to uh, go and buy here. And uh, by no means uh, was this, I guess, a condition for them to invest in IO, but uh, it must have been an appetizer for them. Uh, what is this British Telecoms SA, and uh, uh, you know why were they material to this particular deal? You know, because that was going to give them a very serious valuation going forward. Mm. I mean, that 80%, you know, and those telecoms, and I think they were even going to be able to tap into Africa itself. But going back to how you evaluate company, you know, I mean, you buy a company going forward, you know, that, listen, these are my projections. So it's for me and you to decide whether those projections are realistic or not. So, and then in this case, apparently, I was saying, you know what, we didn't even mention or it was not even part as you said earlier of the conditions that you guys are investing provided this deal is going to come you know or, or to fruition but sometimes when people discuss you don't just look at the numbers there's a story that you built you know that this is Ayabonga, wara, 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 you know so i think towards the building up of that story i mean it was definitely mentioned hence people have seen that as a focal conclusion that listen that transaction definitely is going to happen. And probably PIC, even though they didn't have it as a condition or the guys didn't formally mention that, but there's always a story behind. Mm. As much as, as we can see the numbers or the products that you are selling, we also look at the likes of our management. You know, Do we put a price on management of the company? No, we don't. So stuff like that doesn't have to be in black and white. But yes, it can be one of the teeth apart. The long and short is one have to ask that 
if we didn't have a commission, was there was the PSC gonna go after that money and realize that they made the wrong investment decision? That's number one. Secondly, we know that in these investment committees, there's always this little pressure, you know, mm. that people like that that people get. But unfortunately, one doesn't have evidence that I was pushed by so and so. It's difficult, you know. And you talk investments like that. Definitely, the people know the game. They know how to put pressure if they did, but one cannot prove it. But you as well, as a professional, I think if you strongly believe that this is not the right violation, mm. and given that you're taking, what, 68 million yeah. compared to 4.8 million, Marco, I think... Let, 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 let's pause then. We'll continue on the other side. Let, let's pause there for a second. Six minutes it is before 8 p.m. And we continue with our conversations uh, in our business wrap. And uh, I'm joined by uh, Chief Investment Officer at Markwe Fund Managers. And that's uh, Markwe Masilera. Now, Markwe, uh, before we went to the break, I mean, you were making the point about uh, uh, the uh, importance of doing a due diligence process properly. Just, uh, you know, for the professional integrity of many of the people uh, who would sure. sit in uh, not only the investment committee, but even, you know, some of the people who sit at the board level in uh, the assurance and uh, risk committees. Uh, yes, they might not be operationally involved, but I, I, I guess a lot rests in their oversight function. And uh, one wonders why, you know, with so many people, so many qualified people uh, who would have seen some of the stuff that, uh, you know, people went uh, for this kind of dummy. Yeah, and like I was saying, I mean, 68, you know, compared to 4.8 billion, it's quite huge. I mean, it's almost 4 billion. So I'm saying, as a professional who was doing that due diligence or that valuation, I think you should state your case clear as your recommendation that this is not the right price. Let those with powers override you. But you should put it in black and white that no, we don't agree with this valuation. And you know what? If someone comes to you with a valuation, you don't just take it like that. And usually, Ayabonga, you know, Whatever somebody's offering you, you don't just jump for it. You know, you try to get a lower price because at the end of the day, we are also trying to buy low or get involved at a very reasonable price so that our returns can be very attractive. Mm. So I think even the guys themselves, they should have just said it in black and white that you are against this valuation. Then let whoever who, who's got the powers to override you, let them override you because really it's quite huge, you know, because and going forward, I think... <laughs> will have, but we are trying to make sense here yeah, of something which doesn't, which is not sensible. Mm. So, I thanks God, this whole thing is with the court. I think they're capable to tell who's right or who's wrong. But I think we all need to understand that if you don't agree with a certain valuation or a principle, you just put it in black and white and let your seniors override you if they've got the power. Yeah. And yes, the board as well, they don't have that that you are having as a portfolio manager or as a chief investment officer, but they're relying more on your recommendation. And they will also just look at the recommendation more than anything. They don't go through the whole, the whole uh, mm. what do you call it, due process yeah. of trying to see how you go to that amount. So it's very critical, whatever you recommend, that you know that to the best of my ability, I think this is right. And we all know that sometimes Ayabonga, we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. It happens like that. We don't always get it right. Mm-hmm. Mark, well, let's shift our attention maybe just briefly here from uh, technology and the world of the PIC. And uh, take a look at RCL Foods, which uh, uh, also owns Rainbow Chicken. And uh, also the people who give us Salati Sugar. And uh, they've mm-hmm. warned that they're going to be writing down their sugar unit uh, by 761.9 million rand. And uh, I guess the big thing that they are flagging is uh, uh, the more than expected impact of uh, the uh, sugar tax. 
But uh, I'm not too sure if I'm persuaded by that, if I think about the context of uh, the kind of global uh, competitive headwinds that they've been facing from some of the sugar imports coming in, into the country. That as well has got an impact. But remember, this sugar tax up as well has also been accused of some of the job losses when it comes to this small-scale sugar farmers. Mm. And apparently it's got this unintended consequence where people have just moved to artificial sweeteners. But as well, RCL will know apparently that their management has not been doing very well. Also, look what happened to the other divisions. Yes, chicken will know. It's all because of this other imported cheap imports, which is making the, uh, it's contributing to the oversupply. And unfortunately, there's been an oversupply at the same time. We've got a, a high cost when it comes to the feed. So you cannot have that kind of a combination. It's just bad for U.S. business. But sure, the sugar thing has got a serious, serious impact. Because remember, even without the tax thing, people now are trying to be more health conscious. People are starting to take mm. less sugar. I mean, people are using all these form of things. We always find excuses in the private sector to blame other sectors. We don't acknowledge sometimes that we as management, mm. we made some wrong investment decisions. So I think some of that, is towards that. And I think it's for shareholders as well to be more active, you know, to hold these guys to account that it cannot just only be the sugar price thing. Yes, we know international sugar prices have not been doing okay because apparently as a result, they have to sell large proportions, you know, of production at low international prices. That itself has an impact. But Ayabonga, this sugar tax thing, before it was implemented last year or so, it has always been in the making. It has been postponed, postponed, you know, ever since. Mm. So I'm saying it's not a surprise. So as you are planning forward, you go to this expensive strategic session. Didn't you look into that, that the minute it gets to be implemented, how will that impact us? Mm. Because sometimes we tend to blame government, but truth be told, it's just like this carbon emission tax, you know. It has always been in the making that we're going to implement, we're going to implement. So when we go to a session, I think you should have just worked around that, that guys, going forward. We have to make sure that the minute this gets to be implemented, this is how it's going to affect us. And even the number, how much it's going to be, it was just been quoted now and then, you know. So people had an idea. So for me, that's not a good uh, excuse, but mm-hmm. it's a reality. It had a serious impact on them, unfortunately. Mark, well, I mean, I guess from an operational perspective here, because as you as you rightfully say, I mean, it's, sometimes it's much easier to just scapegoat uh, all manner of uh, policy issues and other geopolitical or, in this instance, trade issues and say, you know, uh, we're going to attribute all of our weakness uh, or the weakness in whatever strategy we've been pursuing to those kind of Uh, I guess, external factors, if I can put it that way. Uh, Internally here, within the industry, what were some of the things, I guess, that have uh, gotten the industry uh, in the tight spot that it's in? Uh, Because we do know that it's certainly been a mainstay industry uh, uh, on that coastline of Guazul. Yeah, I mean, demand, number one, like we said, health reasons. People are moving away from that. And you know as well that you've got artificial sweeteners as well. That definitely has an impact for you. And uh, not even just the sugar thing as well, even the chicken story. It has been a long story, you know, about this import. So you should already have maybe plan B, you know, when it comes to uh, expenses, stuff like that. That operationally, I think, given what is happening, maybe this is how we should be focusing ourselves or putting our energies to counteract all that. But guys, when it comes to sugar, everyone has been trying to take less sugar with or without the tax that has been imposed for all the health reasons. Okay. Makwe, 
we'll have to leave it there my brother always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, uh, until we uh, meet again that there was uh, Markwe Masilela chief investment officer at uh, Markwe fund managers and uh, Markwe always just drops the line you know um, uh, but yeah, speaking to him there, he's the chief investment officer at Markway Fund Managers for our business wrap on this uh, Thursday.